Uh, last week I was talking about <clears throat> my view, uh, obviously, of uh, what I think is happening and what I think will happen. Um, so I want to continue that because I haven't finished. Um, what, what is actually what is important to know is this, because I really have to put this as a disclaimer. <clears throat> I think I mentioned it last time. <clears throat> Even if one can see to a certain extent what will happen, the problem is it can always change. Because what happens in history <clears throat> is based on what I told you is the Tikkun process, is how to cre rectify creation. That's really the essential journey of the Jew. And the problem is, is that the Jews are doing many things. They are sinning sometimes. They are doing mitzvahs. Uh, sometimes they have tremendous merits, you know. So therefore what happens is it's, there's a variable here, you know. Uh, and the variable is history changes to accommodate this, what's called the spiritual status of the Jew. Um, so sometimes the Jew's spirit, spiritual status is low, so he may have to enter one type of uh, historical dimension, events, and if the spiritual dimension is high, then obviously other things will happen. <clears throat> Therefore, one can say what he thinks will happen, however, it can change because you never know, the Jews all of a sudden can enter a tremendous period of tshuva, repentance, and all of a sudden, hey, it's different. So what I think I'll do now, <clears throat> I want to talk about what I see as a scenario, which I think will happen, based on the, what's called the status quo <clears throat> of, uh, of the, what, the Jewish state. I don't mean Israel, I mean the Jewish state of things and so on, you know. Uh, last week I talked about Trump, so I want to continue that and to go into what I think seems probable that it will happen. Anyway, okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't recall what I said last week about Trump, but um, did I talk about the purpose of Trump? What he seems to be his purpose is? I talk about general? Okay, so. Problem is, there's just so many details. I sometimes Make forget America what's. great again. Yeah, I said that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. So, yeah. So the first thing that I see is that um, Trump uh, seems to be chosen to make America great. Obviously, when I refer to America, it doesn't mean America. It means Edoim, Esav, right? To make it great again. And I had once mentioned quite a while ago that Esav has three components or three parts. If you recall, right? Uh, Esav had three characteristics in the Torah. One was incredible arrogance, gaiva. As we see, an Esav despised the firstborn. Esav also was a fraud, imposter, deceitful, mirma. And um, that's the second aspect of Esav. And the third aspect of Esav, of course, is Esav was tremendously wedded to materialism, which is Olam HaZeh. Three aspects of Esav. Therefore, Western civilization, which I had mentioned is basically Esav or Edoim, has these three characteristics. Russia, communist Russia, took over the gaiva of Esav, which is the terrible atheism of Esav. Europe is the mirma, the fraud, the, the uh, deception. Uh, and America, of course, is the taiva, is the pleasure-seeking aspect of Esav that really is into Ilam Hazem. Uh, 
And therefore, what's important to understand is that <clears throat> America has many merits. I think I mentioned this last week, many merits. One of them is obviously that uh, America distributes an enormous amount of foreign aid to countries around the world, more than all nations of the world combined. Tremendous chesed. You know, How can goi to goi chesed be considered as chos? That's a what? Goi to goi chesed. As chos? Be as chos. Chesed is chos of anybody, because that's what the Vashem wants. He wants mankind to be good to each other. He doesn't want the world to, uh, what do you call it, uh, fall apart. Chesed is the mainstay of the Bria. You know, if there's no... Uh, if uh, um, Chesed is a very critical part of the ability of the world to survive. Because there's always people that are not making it, that are on the you know, low end and so on and so forth. I need people to help them. You know, nobody's ever totally successful. You know, everybody's unsuccessful or fail in some aspect. So many times he needs the assistance or the aid of others. Without that, he would collapse. And <clears throat> you see a series of collapses, then the whole society begins to collapse. Chesed is one of the mainstays of the kium of the ability of mankind to survive. That was the, one of the problems of Sedoim, was that there was no chesed. On the contrary, if you did chesed, you were punished for doing chesed to somebody else. You see, so the one who did the chesed, I mean, a lot of stories about Sedoim, but the guy who did the chesed, he was punished because how dare you do chesed, give tzedakah, uh, and so on. <clears throat> In fact, I think ultimately that's what brought around the disruption of Sedoim. I think, the, if I remember the Medrash correctly, there was a girl that there was some type of, I think if I remember correctly, some poor man and she took pity on the poor man and she gave the guy some food or whatever and so on. And the Sodomites found out about that and they decreed her to die because she did chesed. So they covered in honey and the bee stung her to death and they put it next to a hive and that was the end of it. Um, <clears throat> that is incredible rutzicha, cruelty on an act chesed, which is the mainstay of civilization. And that's one of the reasons why they can't destroy them, because they, they had destroyed themselves. To me, they connected me in a certain sense. They, they themselves had destroyed their ability to survive. Chesed is one of those things that a society needs to do. America is a tremendous nation of chesed. The foreign aid is just incredible. So America has that, that incredible idea. The second thing about America is that it, it sponsors terror. I think I mentioned this last week. I mentioned this last yes, week? Yes. That America not only allows terror to be learned here, which is what the Japanese did. I mentioned, I mentioned Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, kind of remind me. Um, but uh, America actually gives money. I mentioned that uh, maybe Half Lake with a Section 8. Section 8 is sponsorship. But a lot of Lakewood guys are on. But it's not just uh, Section 8. There's all kinds of government programs, food stamps, and whatever they call it today. I think they changed its name. But anyway, <clears throat> um, America allows many, because of America, largesse, chesed, many people learn Torah. What a schus. And I mentioned that Japan had that claim. That's why they became the second greatest economy in the world, because the Jews were able to survive and spread Torah. It's a great deal of terrorism because of Japan and so on. Uh, so therefore, I believe therefore that the Russian does not want to destroy, just on that basis alone, America. But we're talking about the Teuf Shebeisav. That's really what America is. And therefore, I believe that Trump is a designated person 
to restore America to its greatness. Because America should be great, they can be great. And they were, they, they were great many times in the past, and so on, you know. But anyway, so that, that's, uh, <clears throat> therefore we see that Trump, it's, it's actually a, a miracle that he's even survived, uh, that, he, that he got where he got. Um, <clears throat> although lately in the polls, he seems to not be making, he's not doing great, but that can be turned around very quickly and so on. In any case, <clears throat> the second idea I see that um, the Monsham seems to want to uh, really punish Clintons, because in many ways they're very evil people. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious, it's astounding how people don't want to admit that and they deny that. But Hillary's a crook, I and mean, she is a crook, you know. She sold the Secretary of State to the highest bidder. <clears throat> it was very obvious. The foundation received millions and millions of dollars from nations or groups, and then all of a sudden, a week later, they were granted benefits. You know, I wonder why. That's, that's, you can't get more circumstantial than that and so on. People were convicted, that's called bribery, of uh, less than that. Uh, so the foundation is a crooked foundation. Uh, her emails, which of course was absurd, they say who knows how many of her emails were hacked. So you talk about state secrets, uh, you know, a lot of top secret stuff. It's all the arrogance of Clinton and so on, you know. Then of course you talk about the, um, the, the incompetence, what did she do as Secretary of State? It's just astounding to watch how people are so stupid. I hate to use the word, but that's really what it is. How the people can be fooled and deceived by the press, the media, about what a person is. But she's really an incompetent. It's really what she, she did nothing to Secretary of State. And then, of course, Benghazi, where she openly lied that it was the, uh, that video that uh, people were looking at. Of course, it was a lie. And they caught her on the lie because they, they hopped her on the tape, whatever, and so on, you know. How in the world do you have a person like this as a president of the United States? It's beyond me. But that's what America is. You think that's one of the greatest concerns of democracy, you know, where people make their decision. Most people don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. They're stupid people, you know. And many of the people, what they really want, they don't care who's the president. They just want, they just want to have the free goodies. It's called entitlements. You know, you, prom you promise people free stuff, you're in. It's called a chicken in every pot. You know, you're in. So uh, you, know, you rely on these kind of people and so on. You know, but in any case, um, I believe also that's the what, what what's supposed to happen, and included with Hillary is also Bill Clinton, you know, who's a, you know Bill Clinton is something else. Uh, what? He's a quintessential bottomer, correct? Yeah, he's also a liar. They're always showing. Anyway, um, <clears throat> that's a second concept. The third concept I don't recall if I remembered is to protect Israel. I mentioned that? Yeah. I mentioned that? Wow. Is, uh, it's very important to protect the uh, Eretz Israel, State of Israel. Why? Because what's coming up is a tremendous war between the Jews, or Israel, <coughs> and Yishmoel, the Arabs. That's what's coming up. We see that from the Medrash. Uh, I think I mentioned the Medrash of Iran. The Medrash of Iran. Uh, there's going to be a massive war that's coming up. And I, this war is predicted uh, in the Chazal. And the, it says in the Medrash 
that uh, in the uh, Yaakot Shemoni, 499, that B'Shavur Ben in the week that Mashiach Ben Dovet comes, doesn't mean the week, could be the seven-year cycle. It says that Poras is going to incite a war against Arav, Arabia. And Arabia is going to seek counsel with Edoim. And then right, right after that, it says that Poras, which of course is Persia, which is Iran, will start a war against the entire world. Amazing. Against the entire world. And all of a sudden, the world is going to panic. Now, obviously, the only way that could possibly be is nuclear weapons. How else? 30 years ago, you would say to Medjus, like, how in the world could Persia possibly do this? But the truth is, when you think about it, with the nuclear weapons, what's the problem? They can easily threaten or any part of the world, America, Europe, and so on. So it says, therefore, that the world is going to panic, and the Jews also are going to panic, because it puts you in a quandary. What should you do? You know. Uh, so then it says that a baskol, a divine voice, will come out and say, The time of your redemption has arrived. That's it. This is basically the last war. And the Bansham says, through this baskol, divine voice, that everything that I have done is only for your sake. That's what he says. So clearly, and I mentioned that, I, oh yeah, I did mention that, because I talked about that Obama has designated the end. Right? right? Oh, okay. I did mention that, yeah. So clearly you see, therefore, that that is really, in many ways, the end. And in that war, I believe two things will happen. One is that Israel will, of course, begin to destroy the enemy. We're talking about Iran, ISIS, PLO, Hezbollah, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, all these guys, right? They're going to obviously counter them and begin to kill them, literally. Also, the second aspect is that since it's really the last attempt of the Arabs to claim Israel, because after this it's over, they know it. They know it's over. So what's going to happen is that the Israeli Arabs, which are a fifth column in Israel, will join with the Arabs. And everybody together will try to destroy Israel. So Israel will therefore, of course, defend itself by killing Arabs and so on. But I think also what will happen is that Israel will evict the Arabs, which is interesting. That the, in some way the Arabs will be evicted, and as a result of that, Israel will now belong completely to the Jews. What? Who's they? Kill do what? Evict? There goes their funding. Because the, the greatest flaw in Israel is what will America say? What will Europe say? Israel is petrified about the opinion of the world. That's the problem. And as a result of that, they allow the entire world, the UN, you know, Europe, America, and so on, you know, tremendous amount of uh, control over their own security and their own ability to rule themselves. In that way, they're destroying themselves. However, <clears throat> so therefore, as a result of that, I believe that Israel will evict the Arabs because then it's too late. I mean, everybody's ganging up on them. It's, you can't do anything. You've got to get rid of these guys. <clears throat> and they will then evict them. Now, could you imagine the response of the world when that happens? It will be beyond belief. 
the response will be beyond belief. Uh, because, look, even when the Arabs are violating international law, they side with the Arabs. You know, in the last war, they were using human shields. It's illegal. They were bombing cities. It's illegal. Yet how much condemnation did you have against Israel? Enormous amount, right? And this is with them doing things which are illegal according to international law. How much more so, right, when Israel will be killing the Arabs and evicting them, the entire world will rise up against Israel in a huge cry. Well, what happens then? So therefore, I believe that Trump is positioned to defy them. The essential ingredient or nature or character of Trump is that he can defy anybody. And that's what he does. You know, he's an egocentric person, whatever you want to call him, so on, you know. And he will defy anybody. And I believe that's what's going to happen. I believe, in fact, that's his essential role, is to defy the entire world during this time. And therefore, Israel will now have just, uh, Jews will now have Israel alone, and that is a tremendous preparation for the Mashiach and so on, you know. <clears throat> so, how does the Rosham do this? Which is, it's very interesting. <clears throat> the first thing the Rosham does is he makes Trump a billionaire. And as a result of that, right, then he, he, Trump is not dependent on any sponsors or donors or special interests. So that's important. So what he did is he gave Trump the freedom to do whatever he wants, to express his own opinions and to defy everybody because he doesn't need anybody. So the Russian made him a billionaire, you see. Second thing, not only did he make him a billionaire, but he made him a, uh, how did he get his billions? Through real estate, right? And what would that mean? Well, guess what? He's a real estate magnate. Who are many people involved in real estate? Jews. Real estate, in many ways, is a very heavily dominated or populated uh, Jewish industry. So therefore, Trump knows a tremendous amount of Jews. There's a tremendous familiarity with Jews as a result of that, you see. So therefore, he's done many deals with Jews, obviously, because Jews have invested with him. So therefore, he has a friendship with Jews. He's a familiarity with Jews. He likes Jews, you see. So the Bershom, in a certain sense, has put in an oil of Israel, you know, which is amazing. So that's the second thing that Trump has, is that he's a person that will assist the Jews because he likes Jews. Then the third thing, of course, is his daughter, Ivanka, who has become Jewish, right? And uh, she's, she's orthodox. She's modern, but she's orthodox. So what's he going to do? He certainly, I mean, she's going to tell him. And he said that he wants to use her for advice. You know, his kids and so on. So obviously, that's a tremendous plus in him doing a tremendous amount of good for Jewish people. Not only that, but it's interesting. I forgot his name. His chief lawyer, legal lawyer, real estate lawyer, is orthodox. From a guy. I forgot his name. What? I'm not sure. Goldblatt? Yeah, Jason, I think. Oh, yeah. And not only he's appointing him to be a liaison between Israel and him, an Orthodox Jew. I mean, it's like a guy surrounded by Jews, you know. And that's on purpose for him to aid and assist Israel against the upcoming war and also against the enormous amount of anti-Semitism, you see. Really, this is a historical precedent. This happened before. 
When did it happen before? World War II. You think about it. Why would the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor? It made no sense. America wasn't a threat to them. They were taking over the entire Far East, you know, the Pacific, you know. Why did they have to bomb Pearl Harbor for? In fact, I think the head of the Navy, Yamamoto, he said, don't do this. They had a whole council. And he said, don't do this. And he, this statement that he made was very interesting. He said, I only fear that if you do do this, bomb Pearl Harbor, that you will have awakened a sleeping giant, America, and filled it with a terrible resolve to get us. Of course he was right. <clears throat> so the question is, why would they do that? Were they crazy? There was no military advantage to bomb Pearl Harbor, you see. But the Marsham forced them to do it because then that brought America into the war and America is what saved the Jews in Europe. Then America went to war and destroyed Nazi Germany. Without that, who knows what would have been, you know? See, so therefore what the Russian did is he forced Japanese to bomb, thereby forcing America to enter the war to save the Jewish people. America's Edoim. So we already see there's a precedent that the Russian has used Edoim, America, the good part of America, of Edoim, right, to save the Jews. Well, we can logically assume he's about to do it again, you know. But this war, of course, is going to be much worse, the end war and so on. Then there was another, another second thing which is very interesting. Osama bin Laden, ask yourself, you know, why would he bomb the World Trade Center on 9-11? Why would he do that? He's an idiot, the guy. Why? Because first consolidate your power, and then you'll try to start with America. They're much too weak to take on America. America's an incredibly strong country militarily, you see. And then in the end, they did. They got him. They killed him. Because what the Bonshan did is he forced Osama to bomb the World Trade Center, thereby alerting America as the true enemy called Ishmael, the Arabs. That's why. So once America was alerted, right, and realized what these guys were up to, right, then, of course, they will be in a position ultimately to aid Eretz Israel also. All of this is incredibly the hand of God forcing things to happen. So ultimately speaking, the Jews should be saved. So that concept is also very important. Therefore, Bin Laden bombed the World Trade Center in order to alert the world about the dangers of Islam, the dangers of militant Islam, <clears throat> you see. So therefore, as a result of that, there are many things happening, which I believe is all coming to this, uh, this ultimate war, and that's why Trump, in many ways, is designated to be the president. Um, how he's going to be the president, it's interesting because in, many, in certain ways he's faltering, which is interesting, in the polls, you know. But that can easily be turned around, you know. It's a long way to November, whenever the elections are. But uh, this seems to be the way the scenario is going. Therefore, the Ramanishan wants to elevate America, ultimately. If Hillary gets in, and not Trump, I believe she will continue the policies of Osama, of Osama bin Laden. <laughs> that she will continue the policies of Obama to destroy America. Yeah. And so she'll just destroy America. America has no clue as to what about to happen to them. 
if Hillary gets in. I mean, you're looking at, I said, you're looking at a crooked, incompetent person, you know, uh, that will destroy America. Uh, and uh, I forget about what Jews, I mean, she, and, although her son-in-law, I think, is Jewish. I think her daughter married a Jewish person and so on, and they do know many Jews. But Hillary uh, is in no way an of Israel. The best thing you can say about Hillary is you can smear her. You can bribe her, you know. But there's a lot of people that have to bribe this woman in order to stay afloat, you know. So in, in a certain sense, she can be bribed and so on, you know. But her policies will be idiotic. Because she has no concept. I mean, I, 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 I'm not, every time I hear a policy, I just laugh. It's just like, you know, what is this woman even thinking? Her policies on energy or immigration, she wants to bring in thousands of, that's, that's after Orlando, where they just killed 49 people, right? She wants to bring a thousand people, and then she wants to, they, you know, it's like Harlem Obama, they want, to, they want to make America immoral. And now they want to have same, what, same sex bathrooms, or same gender bathrooms. I mean, it's hard to keep up with these people. In terms of, you know, it's like, you know, they're giving sedoim a race for their money. You know what I'm saying? To see who's more vicious, more evil, and more contaminated, more defiled, and so on, you know. Uh, and uh, that's what's going to happen. America will fall. Because she doesn't have the backbone, really. She doesn't have the smarts, really, how to stand up uh, to, to Yishmoel and Iran. She will continue with Iran and so on. But you never know, you know. Um, I feel sorry for Edoim, for America, if Hillary gets in. But it could be that's the way the Russian wants to do it. He wants to do it in that way, and uh, what, what can you say, you know? That will mean that Edoim will not be saved. Edoim, America, will deteriorate, and uh, in, in a certain sense, that itself has a logic also. Uh, who knows what's going to happen to the economy, because the economy is very bad now. I told you 94 million people are unemployed. It's a lot of people, you know, and it gets worse all the time, uh, and um, the unemployment will grow. Uh, Obamacare is going to kill everybody because it's ridiculous. The co-pays, the premiums, the deductibles, you know. Really, it's funny because no, there is no thing as a medical insurance policy. It's really catastrophic insurance. In order to claim Obamacare, you know, uh, you, you see, people get fooled because there's a low premium but they forget that the deductible is about $12,000. That means you've got to come out with twelve grand before they even begin to pay. What is this? Isn't that a, this is not a medical policy. This is what's called a catastrophic, so you don't go bankrupt. But this isn't a medical policy that will allow people to survive this way, you see. And she's going to continue it. And um, it's bad news if she and uh, if the Senate goes Democratic and, and so on and so forth, you know. I hope the Revolution has Rahmanus. Um in terms of the Jews and even Americans and so on. Uh, even though Clinton has said, uh, not Clinton, Trump has said that he's going to allow, he's going to have everybody coming and sit at the table, the Arabs on one side, the Jews on the other side, and right, he's going to try to be fair. But he's not, we know what's going to happen. It's impossible. Why? Because one thing about Trump, he's a man of MS. He's a truthful man. You know, forget about his arrogance and all that, his craziness and so on, you know. But he is a man of truth, or else he could never have survived and, uh, and become such a wealthy person and so on, you know. And he's going to see immediately what you put... He, and he's only saying that to get to the Arabs at the table. 
Because if they think that he's against them, they'll never sit. So what's going to happen? We're going to have the Arabs on one side, the Jews on the other. And immediately say, okay, okay, what's the first thing? Order of business, okay. You Arabs, you need to recognize the existence of the state of Israel. Yes or no? No. We don't recognize them. Why is that? The problem the Arabs have is several problems. The first thing is they cannot recognize Israel because according to Islam, whatever lands were captured by the Arabs in history is forbidden to be taken over by any other nation. They must reclaim all the Arab land, the lands that were once Arab lands, even if now it's no longer Arab lands. So theologically, it is forbidden for them to give up on Israel. That's number one, you see. Number two, the day after, let's say Abbas signs, he will be assassinated. And they all know that. That's why when Clinton said to Arafat, what's the problem? Why don't you, why don't you meet him halfway with Rabin? So Arafat said, you know, I like to live. You know, because the next day he's dead. They'll kill him. They'll assassinate him. You know, I mean, believe me, there's plenty of, plenty of guys out there that are going to assassinate him. Between Hamas and Hezbollah and so on. So they can't do it. Because there are hundreds of millions of Muslim extremists. And they will declare, you know, uh, what he called um, a fatwa, as they say against uh, the Arabs, against this guy, Abbas, whatever. So that's out. The third reason why they can't do it is because by recognizing the state of Israel legitimately and internationally, they have given up their right in a certain way of saying occupation. So therefore, their recognition of the state of Israel has now become legal in international law, which now gives the right of Israel to destroy them if they attack, because it's now on the books that Israel is a sovereign state, even according to the Arabs, so therefore you have to recognize them as a sovereign state. That's why it's incredible when you think about what the UN, because according to the UN, 192, 193 nations, no nation can threaten another nation, a member of the UN. Yet Iran does that all the time. And the UN does nothing. They never confront Iran and say, how dare you do this? We'll throw you out of the UN. Never, you see. So therefore, what we see therefore, is that uh, they will not allow Israel really to exist. Why? Because of these ideas. And therefore, the whole concept of a Middle East peace is futile. It can never be, like I say. <clears throat> and it's incredible to watch grown men like Kerry and other guys, part of the statement, uh, thinking that there can be a two-state solution. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling, the sheker, the falsity, the deceit of the nations of the world. Because they know there can never be peace. Look, if I could figure this out, and I'm not part of a uh, think tank, I guarantee you they could figure this out. You have think tanks thinking all day long about the Middle East. You know, every nation has a think tank, Russia, you know, and they're experts on that country, you know. They know the score, they know the story. So what are you playing games with this business of uh, what he called a uh, two-state solution? It's impossible. But they don't care because the new form of anti-Semitism is anti-Israel. It's just another way of getting the Jewish people, you see. So therefore, that a peace with the Arabs can never be. So this is what we see what's happening. 
what ultimately speaking Trump has to do and what if he becomes president which I think he will this is what's going to happen which shows you that we're very close to the end you know but it's interesting what started this what enabled really in certain ways for the Arabs even to think about attacking Israel interesting because the Arabs I remember I was there to Israel in 19 what was it 1976 he went into the old city the Arabs were like you know, nothing you were never afraid, you walk in the middle of you know, the old city, you know with all the shops and all that and the, the Arabs said nothing, they were very cordial, very nice and so on <clears throat> so how did they lose it, how did the Arabs lose their fear of Israel which is interesting so let me show you something which is interesting what the Bersham does we know why now, Trump at least, why he's chosen to be a president. Because he's defiant. He's an egocentric person, egomaniac, whatever you call him. He's defiant. And therefore, he will side with Israel against the entire world when they try to condemn him. Now, what the Russian is going to use Edom again to save Eretz Israel Jews, just like he did in World War II. But the interesting thing is about how in the world did it ever happen that the Arabs don't even care anymore. They used to be frightened of Israel, you see. So what we begin to realize is something very important. The Bershom wanted to remove the fear that the Arabs have against the Jews. Or else there would never be a clash between Yishmael and the Jews. Right? would never happen. So the Bershom planted specific um, events that would enable the Arabs to lose their fear of the Jews. Do we know what they are? Anybody want to guess? It's the old chess game. What? Very good. Oslo is one of them. Yes, true. But Oslo could never have happened without something happening before that. And the main reason why this incident event happened is to allow Oslo to occur and to allow the Arabs to lose their fear. You know what that is? It is the election of Bill Clinton. Clinton, the fact that he became president, is a nest nigla. Because Clinton is from Arkansas. Everybody, when was the last time you heard about Arkansas? Right? It's like, what? Arkansas? What? Arkansas, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to degrade Arkansas, but it's it's just not there. Come to Arkansas, right? That's the beginning, right? And not only that, he's filled with scandals. I mean, scandal before he became president. I don't, I don't even want to mention all the women, all the scandals and the rape charges. It's just beyond belief that this guy, scandal-ridden, can become president. Why? Why did Muslim create a mess that Bill Clinton should become president? Do you know why? Why did Muslim want Trump to become president? Because he's defiant. He's an egocentric person. Yes? That's his claim to fame. What's the claim to fame on Bill Clinton? And the answer is, 
He's a womanizer. That's what the Bershom wants. He's a Balkaiva. See? And that is his claim to fame. The Bershom needs a guy in the White House who is, will do all kinds of things with women, right? And so on. And he needs that kind of guy. Why would the Bershom want that? Does he want to demoralize America? No. And because the Bershom knows that Clinton is going to do what he does, he's very familiar with the Yates Sahar of Clinton. Right? Right? So Clinton becomes president, and it's a Ness. It's Mamsha Ness. Bush had an 88, if I remember correctly, Bush that he ran against, he had an 88% approval rating, one of the highest ever recorded, yet Clinton still beat him. Astounding. Because, like Clinton understood that it was the economy, and none of Bush's advisors understood it was the economy. It's like he made those chachomim dopes. They didn't get it, that the real thing the American people want was the economy to go up. So therefore they lost and Clinton got in. Why? Because the Bansham knows what he's going to do. It's a womanizer, right? And as a result of that, everybody knows what eventually is going to happen. Fine. And it does. With a woman, if you remember her, Monica, whatever, and um, the Bonsham takes that event and is mafalsing, publicizes throughout the entire world. <coughs> Since he knows Clinton's going to do that, he's going to fashmutz, as they say, the, the reputation of Clinton. Why? Because Clinton, therefore, will be degraded. And when a person is degraded, he is desperate for some type of legacy. If he is desperate for a legacy, guess what? What's always the challenge of every president? How to make peace between Israel and the Arabs. Which really means how to push Israel in the corner and let the Arabs take everything. Uh, that's really what it means. So therefore what Clinton does is he legitimizes Arafat. He does everything, you see. You see. And he invites Arafat to the White House more than any other statesman. You believe this? You know? He legitimatizes Arafat. Arafat now becomes a uh, statesman, right? I think Arafat won the Nobel Prize, didn't he? Clinton, the peace, the peace prize. I mean, you, ha you had a laugh. I mean, it, it just—it was—it was a. I mean, the Nobel Prize forever degraded themselves with this idea. Oh, and they gave it to Obama too, right? Yeah, for what? Anyway. So uh, as a result of that, right, uh, so Clinton forces Israel to back off, to restrain themselves. And therefore, all of a sudden, Arafat and his guys are killing Jews. And Rabin, who is part of the heir of Rav, keeps saying, what? Sacrifices for peace. Sacrifices for peace. What do you mean sacrifices for peace? They're killing Jews. They're killing Jews. One Jew already should go to war against the Arabs. Besides, it's against... They promised that they would negotiate, not kill Jews. And Clinton never came out against the Arabs. It's astounding to watch the riches of Clinton, of America, and the Umar Sa'ulam, while they stood by and allowed the Arabs to kill Jews left and right. And that Meshigna Rabin said nothing. Sacrifices for peace. And of course, in the end, he was sacrificed for peace. Right? Mida connected Mida. 
But it's astounding to watch because what the Marshall wanted is Clinton to be caught, scandalized, desperate for legacy. And that legacy would be to make peace between Israel and the Arabs, which means to restrain the Jews, to force them to give up everything and even to get killed, right? Because Israel is always afraid of America, you see. So that's why Clinton became president, you see? To take away the fear that the Arabs have of the Jews. And then each war added to that, you know. You had the war, the Lebanese war, right? And then you had the war in 2005, six, where the Hamas actually bombed Israel, and a million people ran from the north to the south so that meant that the Arabs are not even afraid of the IDF. You see, I, Israel, has the nuclear bomb. Who cares? Iran has a nuclear weapon too. You see, don't you see a, a, what you see is an incredible steady progression where the Arabs lose their fear of Israel. Why? So ultimately speaking, down the line, they will be able to make war with the Jews. And that's part of the Oslo can only happen with Clinton because he was for it. You see, and of course you have traders like Paris and Rabin, you know. You should know Oslo was one of the greatest tragedies. I'll tell you something interesting. Really, Oslo finished off Israel. Oslo has finished off Israel. I don't know if you realize that. But Apiteva, Israel is finished. Why? Because what Oslo, and it's only because the Russian doesn't allow it to happen that Israel is not destroyed. Because if you think about it, what did Oslo do? You know, imagine a, two guys come to court. There's a thief and there's a victim, right? And uh, the judge says, you know, okay, did you steal from this man? He looks at the balabas, you know, the owner. said, did this guy steal from the, you know, the police called him. Did this guy steal, you know, he invaded your house, stole your jewelry and all that. So the guy, the, the, so the uh, guy says, uh, well, not really. He didn't really steal from me. So the judge looks and says, excuse me, he didn't really steal from you? Not really, because he really owns half of it, you see. So the judge looks at the guy and says, what are you, crazy? What are you doing here? You see, what does that mean? That means Israel legitimatized the taina, the, the claim of the Arabs that they own half of Israel. That never happened before. Israel was always saying that the Arabs are attacking us. It's, it's not legitimate. We have Israel. But what the Oslo Accord did, which is insane is it gave the Arabs the right, the legal claim, that they own half of Israel. And the world, of course, jumped at that opportunity, because anyway, they hate Jews, and the anti-Israel is nothing more than a masquerade for anti-Semitism. So they, f they followed it completely through, you see. So what Oslo did really is destroyed Israel, because once the Israel admits that the Arabs have half Israel, then the world jumps on that claim, and bam oh, that's it, it's over with. Thank God the Rebbe protects Israel, and never allowed Arafat or any of these guys to take Israel. Remember, what's his name, Omer wanted to give up enormous amount of Israel? And, and what he called, Abbas said no. And what's his name, Barak, uh, what, what's his name, um, uh, Ehud, Ehud Barak? He wanted to give up also enormous, and Arafat, I think, said no. You know? <laughs> If they did, if, if imagine if Arafat had said yes, so the Russian protects Israel, but the truth is, is that that claim that Israel now can be divided in two, is a destroyer for Israel. It's a game changer. That's really what it is. 
But that all happened under the watch of Clinton, which is desperate for legacy, you see. So now you know why Clinton became president. It's all part of this slow strategy that the Rebbeinu does as he tries to uh, bring ultimately the end war. <clears throat> so where is all this leading that is the question I will conclude next week because it's late and everybody here is falling asleep. And just a preview? Who? Like a preview? Well, a preview is, next week in a certain sense is the most exciting because it's, right now I brought you up to date, up till, you know, Trump and, and what, he, what, what his assignment is, what Obama was and so on and so forth. Next week I want to go from here to the end for the next 15 years, which I think will happen, you know. And in a certain sense, it's the, I believe it is the end. But the question is, what has to take place? Because the central question is, why did Obama give Iran 15 years to legitimately build a nuclear weapon? That's called the delay period. Why? And I believe that has tremendous significance. What it seems the Russia wants to do in this delay period. You see. But I think you begin to realize that we are very close to the end. You see. But the mission of Clinton, Obama, Trump, what was Bush doing there? Because it's the same. Who? What was Bush doing there? Uh, Bush. Well, Bush, I mean, his, I mean, his father, forget about his father, he's a terrible president, you know. But the previous Bush, which is Bush uh, 40, whatever they call it, you know. Same thing. All he did was force Israel constantly to restrain themselves. The constant refrain from Bush was peace, you got to restrain yourself. And meanwhile, the Arabs are killing Jews, they're making wars. And every time Israel tried to defend themselves, what happens? America says, well, you got to stop. You know, they could never go in and wipe out the Hamas or the Arabs. And Bush did that, you know. In many ways, Bush was an incredible traitor to Israel. He refused to stand up to the Arabs. You know, when America got bombed, all of a sudden it became, right, courageous. Then then was okay, right? But when Israel is getting bombed and, and in the wars, you know, it's a Lebanese war and the, the war will be Lebanon again, 2006 and so on, you know, he's constantly telling Israel to back off and not to claim victory, which, not, which means again and again that they will be attacked by Hamas. He's an incredible betrayer of Israel. It's amazing that Jews don't understand that that he was terrible for Israel. Obama's, forget it, Obama's the worst, you know. Uh, but what Bush was, was terrible. Can you imagine a guy never confronted, uh, what he called, he never confronted the Arabs in terms of the wars, that, in the killing the Jews, and so on. Well, where is this guy? It's astounding about these people. And I believe one of the punishments of that was the recession. And he gets to blame for that. Because the guys are crazy. 
How in the world do you allow banks to make loans that you know the guys can't pay back? Are you out of your mind? It was Clinton. No, it was no, no, it was Bush. No, it was Bush. Uh, what Chris Dodd and Bernie Frank? Those two guys forced banks to make loans to people that they knew could not pay back. They forced the banks. So therefore, these guys would go on default. That's what would happen, right? Okay, right? Okay, so a bank figured, okay, go on default. What will happen? I'll just sell the property. The problem was is that the real estate collapsed. So the property became worth less than the mortgage. So that's what killed everybody. And then what they did is they wrapped up all this nonsense and what they call derivatives and so on and so forth. They wrapped up these, these uh, uh, mortgages that were nothing and they sold them to countries and they collapsed because they bought, they bought these kind of securities that were worthless, you see, because nobody was paying back the banks. And he kind of walked in. It was amazing. They would beg you to take a mortgage. And you, you didn't have to show them anything, nothing, you see. Well, of course, and what's his name, which is terrible, like Alan Greenspan. He, he just sat by and did nothing. How could you, how could you not know? So Bush, Bush saw what was going on, but he never said anything. He never put his foot down and said, you guys got to stop this. He just let it go through. And I believe the whole fiasco was an oinish to America in terms of what they were doing to Israel. And you should know that destroyed Bush's reputation, the recession. He was in charge, you see. Obama is getting mileage out of it. Because the barbers keep claiming, you see what they did, you see what they did? I, after eight years, he still didn't do anything. Mela, the Ikazak is to have an excuse. Yeah, the main thing is to have a scapegoat. That's Obama's policy. The scapegoat Bush, you know, for eight years, last eight years. You know, Obama will probably scapegoat Bush for the next 400 years, you know. It's all Bush, you know. But how does a president allow this type of economic behavior to go on? The country's doomed, and it was. In 2008, the whole country collapsed. And believe me, America was at the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, the stock market went down, you know. It's only because the Bush doesn't want Edoim to do that, that he saved America, you see. So the ownership, and people hated Bush. That's why Obama won. They, Obama won, not because they loved Obama, because they hated Bush. They were sick and tired of the establishment. Bush. So Obama won on an anti-Bush policy. Why? Because of the whole collapse of the economy. In Miami, people, people was, was it trillions of dollars? Guy lost his life savings. It's unbelievable what happened. For what? Where, where was the captain at the helm watching the ship? That's what Bush is, you know. Because guy's an idiot. Besides the fact that he's a traitor to Israel. He's an idiot. Is this the way you run a country? Oh, because this person wants the country to be so destroyed that everybody's going to vote for Trump. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not enough. We've got to machrev more of the country. We've got to machrev it totally, you know. Everybody's sick and tired of the establishment. Why do you think Trump is so popular? Because he's an anti-establishment, anti-politically correct, and anti-Obama. People are sick and tired of the liars in Congress. You know, uh, what do you call John Boehner, What's his name? Uh, Mitch, Mitch McConnell. These guys are liars through and through. You know what I'm saying? They don't have a decent sense of honesty and what he called an integrity. You know, they all caved into Bush. Meanwhile, everybody voted for them to go against Obama. It's a, you know, it, it's astounding. Trump's 
Yes. If he gets in, not, he's not going to clean out Congress. He's going to clean out of the whole regulatory commissions. They are destroying America. You know, Obama has a new ways of controlling America, right, called the regulatory commissions, where you can bypass Congress and pass a law through the regulatory commissions, you know, and then Congress doesn't say anything, you know. And he's destroying all kinds of business incentives. I, I, look, I'm not, I'm not a businessman, so you know, but you hear, you hear what, what, what people complain that a, a guy can't open a business or they take away, there's property rights are being violated. All from the environmental, these guys, the environmental, the EPA is destroying America, you know, uh, because of some fish, <laughs> you know, you can't build a, a dam or whatever because, uh, because some, some nobody fish, three inch fish will be, will be decimated and so on. Who cares about the fish? We're talking about people who can't eat fish because they have no money. And he's dying about the fish. How stupid can people be? You know, and, and, you, and you see the ultimate by Harambe. What's the name? The gorilla that they killed in the Cincinnati Zoo? Right? There were 40, as soon as Harambe was killed, so Ahmadinejad, the silverback, beautiful gorilla, 400 pounds. They say he could crush a coconut in his hand. Imagine what his power was, you know? So and it was a Ahmadinejad on, on, on him. But was, uh, the kid, I don't know what the kid was doing, whatever. And so, you know, he jumped in. But he could easily have killed the kid. I mean, just by accident. I mean, just like that. And just cracked his head right up, you know? So they killed. So, Within 24 hours, 40,000 people signed a petition. Why did they kill Harambe? So, kill the kid, so on. Okay, so. That, that's, where, that's, that's where America stands. Where animal rights supersedes human life. That's where America is in. It's a sick, in many ways, it's a sick country. And the reason for the sickness is the Congress and the President. Because they have, they have instituted a policy which is so destructive, so immoral, that it's terrible. So people, you know, look, it's the old story, you know. Uh, if there's no leadership, people will deteriorate. Because most people are followers. They don't have the ability to lead or to lead lives without a leader and so on. So when you have the incredible corruption at the top, you know, then the corruption and the immorality and the incompetence just flows down to the to the bottom, so you know. But in any case, the main idea is that um, you know uh, uh, that America keeps doing this, making a mistake, and hopefully, finally, there will there will be a guy Trump that will reverse the whole thing, and then he's going to shut down all the regulatory uh, agencies and so on. And like I said, like he says, to restore America to its greatness. The interesting thing, of course, is what follows if he becomes president. Like I say, we do, nobody knows if that is the scenario, you see, because we don't know what the Jews will do, what the mitzvahs will do, you know. Even a Novi, like I mentioned last time, cannot predict if he, if he, if he prophesies destruction against an Ummah, they may not be destroyed because maybe they'll do tshufa. See, even a Novi can't always get it right. I mean, he's right that if they don't do tshufa, this is what happens. But what will really happen is unknown. So what I'm talking about is a scenario, if Trump gets elected, this is what's going to happen. But the great part is really next week, what I think is really going to happen. So that's the finale, yeah. Any questions?